Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a bit of a strange time for us all at the moment. So I just like to send a lot of love to anyone who is struggling in the midst of all this uncertainty. But also a hello to anyone discovering podcasts for the first time. Despite the social distancing, let's stay connected. In this week's episode, I'm joined by former Girls Aloud singer, winner of The Masked Singer, and star of new West End show City of Angels, Nicola Roberts. This episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago in the studio, right before the UK went into lockdown as a result of COVID-19, which is why we talk about the uncertainty of Nicola's City of Angels theatre show continuing. Obviously, since then, all shows have been postponed. In this conversation, Nicola shares her favourite podcasts, including Oprah's Super Soul Conversations and The Imposters Club. This then prompts a really interesting discussion about imposter syndrome and how we all deal and struggle with this at times. We also talk about the impact of the media on Nicola's mental health after she won pop stars The Rivals, her decision to go to therapy to stop the cycle of bad relationships she felt she was having in her life, and how strong women have always lifted and supported her. Let's get cast away with Nicola Roberts. Nicola Roberts, welcome to Castaway. Hi, thank you for having me, my love. How are you? I'm great. It's weird times, isn't it, at the moment? We're yes. kind of in the, the midst of not really knowing what's going on. Like I was walking here to you earlier mm. on and, and and even when I saw you not being able to give you a hug and say yeah, hi, I felt I know, weird. It's so strange, so strange. I know, and just getting in your car on your way here and obviously I'm in a show at the minute, so it's like we're on stage in front of like six, seven hundred people every night. We're all in a room and mm. it's tourists and this the cast members who all are like socializing out of work hours and you just you just have to like get on with it and just stay positive and get on with it I think that's the best mentality just get on with it stay positive and share stories and talk just realizing that we all kind of come up against the same things mm. and and even the more I, I was I feeling quite overwhelmed last week I felt quite panicked and I'm not, I don't normally get like that. I just felt there was a lot kind of going on. And I, I well, there's a lot of like misinformation as well. And mm. then you've got like all these messages flying over WhatsApp of what you should do, you know, with Corona and you shouldn't panic as much as you are. It's, it's, it, they're making out it's worse than what it is. And then you have someone else say, no, you really, really should be should panicking. panicking. And it's just that thing of misinformation and not actually knowing what it is and what is going on and how, how panicked should we be? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I was hoping you were going to tell me. I have seen some lovely moments of humanity during all this and people checking in on their neighbours mm. and, and sharing those stories and stuff. And I think that's what's really important about about what you do as well. You know, you, you, you're a singer and you've kind of, you speak a lot through your songs and through your music and now going into acting and, and mm-hmm. going through the stage play, which we're going to talk about in a little yeah. bit. But storytelling for you seems to be something that's always been part of your life, your career anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. And I... Like that as that is kind of like the root of my songwriting, and I never, I never used to until I became a songwriter for other people. I never understood how artists didn't write 
them for themselves mm-hmm. it's different when you're in a group like we had a writer we had a group of writers and a producer but I think like when you're a single person mm-hmm. like you're supposed to speak through your art for like the greater of good mm-hmm. spread your story like what you've learned let people resonate with it let people um, be inspired by it and it's just like constantly trying to like spread a positive message and then when I became a songwriter for other people I understood that it was more of a so much more of a commercial aspect to it but for me personally I think that if you're going to write for yourself then you have to share your experiences otherwise what really is the point like the most rewarding gift of songwriting is when someone listens to a song you've written and then messages you and says that happened to me that's Mm -hmm. how I felt in that moment thank you so much that song really helped me and it's no longer your song, is it? It's yeah, no, they've taken part yeah. of it. And they take from it what they need. I still like to this day, one of my favourite songs of all time, and the person who sang it, Sinead O'Connor singing Nothing Compares to You, mm. written by Prince, not even written by mm-hmm. her, but she took that song on another level that mm. you felt like she felt and lived and breathed every single word when she sings that song. Let's go back. Let's just talk about how you got into this crazy business of it mm-hmm. all. And um, just looking back to Pop Stars, The Rivals, how old were you when you entered that competition? I was 16 when I auditioned. You were so young. Yeah, so I'd just literally done my GCSEs, mm-hmm. finished the exams, broke for summer, and we went on a little summer holiday, the family, and then I went and auditioned for the for the competition. Did you always know you could sing? Yeah, I did. I, I, t- I got to about 11 and I just decided. I, I used to be a sprinter, like, for the school and for the county, and I used to... Did you? Yeah, I wanted to be, like... I'm quite like athletically like that, that's my frame yeah I was like I'm gonna be a runner this is what I'm gonna do and then I don't know what happened I just think I, t- I turned 11 or the Spice Girls came around Spice Girls will do it the for you and they came, came around. around they changed everything for everyone and I just you know I obviously was so into that started singing and I think I just realized that I could sing in tune <laughs> and then I was like you know, when we go on holiday this year, I'm going to enter the talent competition. And I remember my mum and her friend, you can still see it as clear as day, stood at the other end of the dining room laughing their heads off. All right, all right, laughing. I was like, no, 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 I, I am, I am. And then I ended up singing and won. And it just kind of went from there. Like it was something that I just wanted to do. I enrolled in a dance class and I wanted to do drama and I went and got a singing teacher. And then it was just competition after competition after competition. And I was singing big songs like Celine and Whitney. Mm -hmm. And I just loved the feeling of singing. And I loved all I ever really wanted was for people to be like, yeah, she can sing. That that is really it. And I think like we all have different reasons for getting into an industry. But mine really was just that I just wanted people to hear me sing and say she can sing. And the beauty of a show that you did last year and won the Mass Singer was it was purely about your voice. And yeah. by winning that, you showed that you had that. But before we talk about that, let's go back to to something like Pop Stars The Rivals because you had that talent, you had that voice, which was very, very clear. Mm. But the world of celebrity and the world of especially being a pop star, there's mm-hmm. so much more to it. You can't just sing a song and be good. Right. There is newspapers, there's people... People want your story. People want all of you, whether you want to give it up or not. But you don't know that at 16? No. You just want to sing. When did you realise that what came with it wasn't just the singing? Well, I was from quite a small town. So, like, my... I'd only really had, like, quite limited interactions. 
school teachers, school friends, family. You know, I, I wasn't, I, I just wasn't grown enough to mm-hmm. have, I just, I was so young, I hadn't had any experience, basically. And then I did the competition. And I, I even, like, vividly remember, like, us all sat in, in the in this big hall waiting to sing again. Like, all the people that got through to the next stage, we were all sat in this big hall. And I remember thinking, wow, everyone's so much older than me. Everyone's, like, picked their favourite outfit out and their hair looks great. And they're all just older and they'd all just, just get it a bit more. Did you feel intimidated? I just felt young Mm. I felt really young and I went up and I sang and I yeah I did my thing and then I remember Jerry come running off Jerry Halliwell yeah I mean she's a spice girl yeah and she was my favorite as well so I was just like I don't know what's happening right now (laughs) my whole life has been like I don't know what is happening right now including today corona (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what is happening (laughs) and she was like you know, like you, you just have something so special and I'm rooting for you and you sound so good. And yeah, and I just, it's funny, like throughout my whole career, it's always been women from the very start. It's always been a certain type of woman. Mm. Like Jerry was always the one that championed me through the pop stars. She's probably been through a lot herself and and probably saw parts of her and you. Right. And then like the lady... My A&R who signed my solo record was a woman. Mm. My publisher is a woman. My managers have always been women. Joe, my first director, Josie Rock, she's a woman. It's always yeah. been a, a strong female that has just given me a chance. Mm-hmm. And and that's the kind of person that I am drawn to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that was that. And I think then we did the competition. We moved to moved to London. We got into the the final 10 in in the house. And I I think I've always just been a person, especially then, I just used to go along, like, sort of, like, happy to be here, freaking out a bit, but, like, not experienced enough to have an opinion on any of this, so I'm just going to go along with it. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of then in this, like, washing machine Mm -hmm. going round and round, not making sense of any of it at all, really. And then I think as we got to the end of the Pop Stars The Rivals competition and then you'd start seeing like there'd be newspapers left around and you kind of felt the grandeur of like how involved the press was. Mm -hmm. And especially at that time, you know, it was like 2002, there was no social media. Media was very, very top heavy as Mm -hmm. it is now, but... You know, even even more so, like... The newspapers had a lot more power then. Yeah. Than now. You're then just put in front of a nation of people, you know, and it's like you've gone from zero opinion to a nation of opinions. That's That's a really odd thing. It was then that I was like... You know, people used to say, oh, did you used to get, like... Uh, picked off your red hair and I'd be like no way like that was my like superpower my whole life everyone loved my red hair mm-hmm. I was so proud of it never really just it was never not thought even it wasn't th- an issue wasn't even a thought mm-hmm. but then as soon as I was in the group I was like oh you know it's quite a thing that I've got red hair oh it's a thing that I'm pale I did an, a, an article before Christmas with the Guardian mm-hmm 
she said to me, you know, have you ever felt like growing up in your career, have you ever felt the treatment of women and the misogyny and the, the way you have to look as a certain way? And I think that then when I was 17, I was so young and inexperienced that I didn't even know that that was a thing. Mm. You know, it was more like people were frustrated that I was in that position, but I didn't look like how I was supposed to look. And that is a massive eye-opener for society, I think. Mm -hmm. That is a massive eye-opener for people within themselves to think, am I frustrated that she doesn't look like a typical pop star? Like, why Why does that anger me? Well, now I feel we're, our uniqueness yeah. is celebrated. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly trying to find your unique selling point, what makes you different yeah. to everyone else. But yeah, there was a time, I mean, we're, we're the same age and... I, I remember even like coming over to MTV. I do remember seeing you and you'd pale skin and I'm very fair. Right. And I remember like someone making a comment once about, oh, but you've been away. Why is your skin so fair? I'm like, because well, I'm Irish. I'm not going to be as tanned as everyone else. Yeah. I'm Irish. It's like my skin. It's how I am. And I, and I was just trying to get your head around that as though like I've done something wrong because I have been working in Ibiza but, and I'm really equally, pale. Do you have a brain cell? It's hard when you're young and you're in it at that stage. As you said, you were yeah. probably unaware of what was... You, you were probably safe from it. You know, you're coming from this small town, coming mm -hmm, to this big mm -hmm. city, and then suddenly you're thrown into this. Um, one of the, the podcasts that you recommended, and I've never listened to it before, was The Imposters Club, mm -hmm. which I thought was quite apt that you picked that because, you know, you talk about getting this job that a lot of people thought that you shouldn't have had mm -hmm. because of how you looked, even mm -hmm. though you're one of the most gorgeous people I've ever seen in real life. Mm -hmm. There's two women that do it together. They're two really good friends in the 30s. And I don't know them. And yet I feel I do because yeah. they're dealing with the same shit that I'm dealing yeah. with. We mainly hear about imposter syndrome in the context of the workplace, and it's also where the term came from, so we thought it was the perfect place to start our first episode. And psychologists Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes coined the term in 1978, describing it as an internal experience of intellectual phoniness in people who believe that they are not intelligent, capable or creative, despite evidence of high achievement. In other words... It's that sinking sense that you're a fraud in your industry, role or position, regardless of your credibility, authority or accomplishments. And Dr. René Carr explains that the psychological discomfort is often rooted in pressures from self or others to achieve great success. I definitely feel like that. Yeah. Because I've got such a drive to be successful and be seen as successful. Yeah. So if I do something that doesn't, I can spiral out a bit in a bit of a panic definitely and I think also if you have um created an identity based on you know Mel's a successful person in general she gets stuff done you know you you are known as someone that's very good at getting stuff mm. done so if you're struggling to get something done you feel like an imposter in your own sense of self and your sense of identity it's the same way as, as like me right now with the play. It's like I've never acted before. Mm -hmm. I am an imposter in that realm because I don't come from musical theatre. I'm the celebrity singer that is trying to carve a way through acting now. Mm -hmm. And this is my first role, whereas everyone else in that play is an actor. So it's like I could very easily have taken on that syndrome and let that eat me alive and not gone for that job. And what gave you that push to, to do this now? I just think I got to a point where I was like, why can't you get out of your own way? 
in the last year or so has been incredible, two years, but the but, you know that the little bubble before that was not a good space for me and I I was just in a really insecure space and I just wouldn't have had the confidence to go and do it and then I think I came out of that and it was more like you have to get out of your own way like and every, all those other people who seem to know what they're doing they have no idea what they're doing either that's mm-hmm. what I've learned the older I get the more people I meet and even like like yourself and like all the people I've interviewed and I look at all the stuff that they've done and the big stages they've been in and all the countries they've travelled to and then hearing in any way that they had any doubts or insecurities I'm like oh oh everyone mm. feels like that yeah uh, the Imposter Club, um, it's on its second series now. It's every other Monday, best friends Sinead Kennedy-Krebs and Melissa Murdoch do the show together. And as I said, you kind of feel like you're just two of the girls that I know. One one thing that blew my mind about that, yeah, she was getting married mm-hmm. and she felt like an imposter as a wife. And that, to me, I was like, wow, there's serious levels to this and that that is that is right up there. As though that she wasn't... Good enough to, to be, be a, a wife. wife. She didn't see herself in that image. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like the saddest, the saddest thing. Mm-hmm. If you feel like an imposter within your own relationship, which I know a lot of people do, but like when you get to the point where you're going to marry that person, then there's some, that's, that's bad. You know, there's something wrong there. They talk about, it was an episode about leadership and it was about harnessing your own sense of leadership mm. it has to come from yourself 100%. so much of it because people will say what they want mm-hmm. and it's it's in this day and age and you kind of think everyone should be a little bit nicer to each other and I know when you first start talking about you know being in pop stars and then that was before social media yeah. and now with social media I don't know when I started on MTV if I could have survived with social I, media oh I didn't know if God. people didn't like me I didn't know <laughs> I was oblivious <laughs> well now I just feel how we talk to each other online and you know the, where there are elements of kindness and loveliness there's also these horrid people saying yeah. terrible things hiding behind um their keyboards but, but I, equally like how i look at that is like i it doesn't affect me like those how do you get to that stage because imagine being someone who doesn't have that that uh, that sense of self and imagine being atrol i know what kind of person would you have to, it was it's so far away from like from from, from who you I are know. And you just got to look at that and be like, I'm glad that I'm me and I'm not, I'm not you. That I would never make someone feel as mm. bad. All we can do is control how we feel. So if you're kind to yourself, it's hard to be because I haven't always been kind to myself. Some, yeah. Sometimes when I don't like how I look, I can hear voices in my head saying things about myself, which are hard. I wouldn't I say to anybody. And I'd be like, oh, you look fat in that. You look disgusting in that. Look at the state of you. You look tired. You're not good enough. And I don't think sometimes anyone can say as bad as the things I say to myself I half know. the time. You've got to be your own best friend. Yeah. I like I had a year of therapy and I swear to God, I went in that with like you know like a certain level of self-love but not enough to like keep me out of bad relationships not enough to try and save people who were toxic for me not enough to recognize when something was bad to walk away but I left that year with the most almighty amount of self-love and self-respect and that that becomes before before everything every relationship every friendship everything and your relationship with yourself 
one of the things I got from the Imposters Club, did you hear this episode, the, the oops and the ouches? There's this bit talking about how it's important that we have these discussions and mm-hmm. how we debate things. But sometimes we're afraid to debate things because we're afraid we'll upset somebody. Yeah. And it's probably, I remember like starting out in my career, I wouldn't speak up about things that annoyed me too much because I didn't feel I had that place. It right. took me a while to build up to now. And they were saying there's two things, the oopses and the ouches. The oopses is when... It's okay to debate things, and you, but you never mean to offend. You'll never do it. It's, you might say something someone doesn't like, but it's not intentional if they don't like it, and you can learn from it. Ouches are when you debate purely just True. to rile people up and just to offend. Yeah, that, that's not okay. No. I mean, you need to identify that online. there's a lot of people, yeah, right. And I think You can do an oops online. You can do an oops. Don't do an ouch. You know when you can do an oops? You can do an oops if you know that you're perspective mm-hmm. is like for the best great of good of humanity mm-hmm. it's fair across the board it's humans first it's kindness first that's when you can do an oops the ouch is basically just a reflection of the relationship with the person and themselves mm-hmm. that person needs to say something to feel recognition within themselves and they get off they they get off on the fact that they've made a point it's fed their ego but they've disregarded how it might have made the other person feel yeah and it's solely on them yeah because we can all debate we can debate about all kinds of things and it's important know? to debate it's okay to have 100%. different opinions but just debate if you're coming from a place like if you have perspective if mm. you're coming from a place of is this fair what i'm saying mm-hmm. is it you know and be open to, yeah. I sometimes think one thing and then I debate it and I'm like, actually, I was wrong. That Once I can say that. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. It's being able to identify between mm-hmm. the two. Have you ever listened to the Hilo? No. I think you should listen to that. Because um, basically it's two girls, it's Pandora and Dolly. But I, I think if you like the Imposters Club, you like that. Because I just the like Hilo. listening to other women have a conversation about 100%. stuff that's going on in their that's life. That's how we learn. That's how we learn. They talk about stuff that's gone on during the week, but in a really nice, safe manner of right. just basically like... In a coffee shop, kind of way. But yeah, listen to that. I think you like. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. Another one that you suggested I hadn't listened to before was Problem Solvers. And the one particular episode I want to talk about is Diane von Furstenberg. She is my hero. Uh, and owning it. Owning oh it. Oh, my God. She Why is she your hero? I don't, like... It's not, I mean, the clothes are beautiful. It's not <laughs> even the clothes. It's the woman. The clothes, the clothes are good too. The clothes are great, but it's the woman. It's mm-hmm. the woman behind the clothes and it's her perspective. And it's like, I'm just so drawn to women with wisdom and like women with perspective and fairness 
and like strength. Strong women is my like I am like a magnet. Mm-hmm. I will go and sit next to the older lady in the room mm-hmm. just to talk to her about like what she's learned about life. Like they are my absolute favorite, and she just. You know, she's that famous quote of hers when she says, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew the woman I wanted to become. Mm. And that is like, you know, essentially what a lot of us are striving for. Like, who do we become in the end? Mm. And is it like a well-rounded, strong, inspiring female? That That's where we're all trying to get to. We want to be that elder woman that the younger women want to come and sit beside 100%. and learn from. Yes, that that is my goal. You know, I had read a number of interviews that Diane had given, and she kept using this phrase magic wand. For example, she had told Vogue, quote, when you have a voice, when you are successful, when you have a lot of knowledge, you do have a magic wand. You can make so much difference with so little, end quote. But she doesn't limit the magic wand idea to just people who are successful. The point that she wants to make is that everybody has something. Everybody is successful in some way. You have something to offer. You have some way in which your magic wand can be valuable to others and you should use it. So I wanted her to expand upon that when we talked. You definitely do have a magic wand. Um, and uh, because, of course, at this point, you are so influential that you send an email. And as you said, it could change someone's life. But I see you constantly telling people who, you know, most people in the audience, most people you meet who are, are, are not as influential as you are, that they have a magic wand, they too. Do. I think people forget that. And I think they do. I think that's, a, that's also a secret. You find out. I try to, to share the things that I learn. And I try to share my secrets. And that's why it's important to make fun of yourself, you know, also publicly and not be condescending. And Because then people relate to you more. And they, I mean, people, you know, if I say to people that I feel like I lose it twice a week, that is an inspiring thing. Because the next time they'll feel like I lose it, say, you know what? She does too. Yeah. To the idea of that. I mean, if you're yeah. going to speak publicly, it may as well be useful. <laughs> you know, right. otherwise what's the point? Sure. To the idea that every everybody has a magic wand, I, I, I just I would love you to speak to speak more to that to encourage people because I think that people forget that even if they even if they run a tiny company that nobody's ever heard of, to somebody they can be very valuable. That's right. That's right. That's right. But even people who I mean it's just a matter of paying attention. The secret in life is paying attention. Paying attention to the details, you know. You can go in the woods and somebody can go in the woods and say, what did you see? And say, a bunch of trees. And then somebody else will go through the same woods and see your universe. Right. How would you suggest that the average entrepreneur use their magic wand? By paying attention. Paying attention to small people, paying attention to people's feelings, paying attention to people's needs, paying attention to everything. So how does Diane use her magic wand? Well, here is one way. She said it on stage. She said it in other interviews. Perhaps you've even read her saying it, that every morning she sends two emails that do not benefit her. Like two emails connecting somebody or helping somebody. You know, she knows that her presence, her very word, her involvement in some conversation can be of value to somebody else. And so she's waking up and waving that magic wand around. 
So Problem Solver is it's a, a guy called Jason Pfeiffer. He's the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur. And he interviews different people, different business owners, CEOs who went through like sometimes problems or how they came out the other side. And this was actually an interview he did, I think, for the publication. But he said he enjoyed the recording mm-hmm. so much. It wasn't supposed to be a podcast. But with podcasts, once you've got the recording, <laughs> you can make it a podcast. And he put it out there so you can you can hear her chat. And there's um, It's their tone as well. It's her tone, yeah. The tone is so calm. Yeah. She never hesitates. It just comes out flawlessly and is this perfect quote of strength. And you're just like, it's as if she's wrapped it up in a bow and just handed it to you, you know? Yeah. That's how it feels. She says something like, uh, once or twice a week, I feel like a loser. Yeah. Like, how does somebody like that feel like that? There's hope for all of us. Someone that's successful. 100%. And yeah. she also says, everyone has a magic wand. Yeah, she talks about this magic mm-hmm. wand. And she says, everyone has a magic wand. And she says, every single day, she sends two emails that do not benefit her whatsoever. She thinks of like who might need to be connected with someone else or how she can help someone. And she sends two emails every single day. And that is her magic wand. That's a lovely way to think for anyone listening to this podcast. Everyone has their magic wand to some mm-hmm. degree. Everyone can help someone. Maybe just do that one thing. Send an email or connect that person mm-hmm. that you and know can change someone's good. life. It makes you feel good as well. There's benefits to it as well. But yeah, I, there's a great bit as well you said about the older lady. I think Jason says to her something, oh, you know, you're so wise, you've done so much. And she went, are you calling me old? Basically, I'm old. <laughs> That's what you're saying. She goes, I don't mind being old because it means I've got all this experience. Oh, speaking of another woman that we love, Oprah Winfrey. Oh my gosh. Did I say, I think I might have mentioned this mm-hmm. to you beforehand. Oh, Super Soul was one of the first podcasts I ever got into and I, I devoured it. I was away and I think I just listened to so many, like back to back and I just drank it up. Every single one of them is incredible. Mm. And different. Yeah. What was it about um, Super Soul that, that turned your head, turned your ear? I mean, it's hair again. It's like, and I keep saying this thing, but I, perspective but I think that that is my that's something that I'm most attracted to in life is that when I meet someone and they have a good perspective like a good moral compass like what is fair and she she just obviously gets it you know she's she's like the Michelle Obama she has that sound perspective that strength that discipline within ourselves and that's really what we all need more of is the discipline within ourselves as well like we went back to if we go back to the imposter it's about like discipline in yourself when you hear those thoughts and you say no Mm. we're not going to listen to them and it's about flexing that muscle and like thinking about the good thoughts and then training our brains to think positively all the time and I just those women like Oprah like those are the ones I mentioned they all seem to do that. Mm. And when you listen to someone's podcast and that is the thread and that is the underlying tone, it just reminds you to do it again. Uh, and it's a it's a conversation that we're all a part of, we're not excluded from. Mm. It's not like being in school where there's a different groups of people, anyone can be open to it. And one of the things when we first started this this podcast, you kept talking about when you first got into the business and you were young. Mm-hmm. You were young. That was the one word you just kept saying, you mm. were young. I was, and yeah. And fresh. And it's through the experiences of what we go through, through 
defining yourself in a situation where papers are talking about you, touring the world, being away from family, doing all this stuff. And it's through all that that you get to the stage of being someone like Oprah or Diane. You have to go through 100%. all that because, yeah, you're, when you're young, you haven't lived that. You have to live through the stories to get to, exactly. to that stage. And then the only way, yeah, like the only way that you do get to become one of those women mm. is to like have a roller coaster life. Mm. And just deal with the There's no easier the way. You no, got to void yeah. it out. 100%. The reason that this bar is low is because people's self-esteem is low and they will allow themselves to accept something less than a date because they don't think they're worth it. And that's the problem. Okay, so we got so many myths to get through tonight. But Amira, why do you think so many women lower their standards? Why? I think they're afraid that if they don't, they'll get nothing. And they'd rather have something than nothing. And so I think if they... A bad they, something's better than... Nothing. And I completely disagree. Yeah. The reason why I like the book so much is because everything that we talk about on Life Class, on Super Soul Sunday, and Master, on all the stuff that we do, is really comes down to your sense of worthiness. Yeah. Right. You're saying it all starts with yourself being whole. Yeah, yes. When you are at a point in your life where you are happy and content and you love yourself and you can lay down on your bed, put your head on your pillow, and know that you're okay by yourself, as soon as you're there, someone will come along and ruin that with their love. <laughs> right? Because you're desirable then. There's nothing more attractive than liking yourself. I want to talk about The Masked Singer. Yeah. Because that was huge last year. Huge. And it's huge, but nobody knew it was you for so long. <laughs> and it was such a probably strange situation to be in. But I want to ask you, coming from a show where, you know, you went through a competition <laughs> to get into Girls mm-hmm. Aloud and you had to go through all that... Was there any apprehension when when this offer came up to to do this show? It felt like a similar experience in the sense of the singing every Saturday night. You know, it felt like a similar experience back on a show in front of the pub, the nation, Mm -hmm. doing the same thing, but yet with a mask on. Not just any mask, like a a A bee. Massive (laughs) bee. The amount of people that buy me bee things now. (laughs) Did did you see the bee cub? Did they paint your dressing room yellow? Oh my God, I walked into the theatre. <laughs> so I'd gone to choose my dressing room last year and yeah. I was like, oh, can't you know, like, let's make it really homely. Can I have it? Nice high end play, a big theatrical right. debut. Yeah. Gets in there, it's yellow. <laughs> I actually love the colour yellow. <laughs> no, I, I have seen yellow. I've seen so much yellow in the last three months. I can't see any more yellow, please. I'm getting bee gifts left, right, and centre. Are you? Even the other day, I went for coffee. My friend gave me a mug. He was like, oh, I saw this. It's got a bee on it. I'm like, guys. You are the poster girl for bees everywhere. Literally. The face of honey. But but did you enjoy the experience of, I suppose, the anonymity of doing that show yeah. up to the stage of winning? Loved it. I just, honestly, I just love to sing. So just, you know, like being able to sing all those massive songs and have fun with it and it be a game that no one know that it's you is, is kind of fun, you mm-hmm. know? Were you apprehensive at all about doing it? I mean, I didn't, the email came in and I didn't even look at it at first. And then I think it was like two weeks later that my manager was like, oh, can I just get an answer on this? I I need to say yes or no, like they're chasing Mm me. I was like, oh, let me read it again. You know, I'll look at it. And then I looked at it and I was like, okay. I love the idea of the fact that it felt like 
10, 15 years ago, like the prospect of it was like families sit down and they, you know, you've got the, the mother and the father and the kids and the grandparents and they're all in a room and they're not on their phones and they're all guessing who this person is. And I liked the family aspect of it. I liked the idea of bringing people together mm-hmm. for a TV show and it felt like wholesome and fun. And then, I don't know, I was just in a space like I'd had the most amazing summer did you know that the the show was coming up, City of Angels? I'd auditioned for it, okay, but I was on hold for like three months, so I didn't know that I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. I was writing at the time, and I think I was just in a place where, like, I asked who the panel was, and when she said Davina, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And I just was in a place of like, all right, let's just, you know, let's just do it. Let's just yeah. have fun with this. Yeah. And it was the right thing to do because you won the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, at what point did you get the play, then, City of Angels? Was that when you were... But obviously, they didn't know. They didn't even know you were no in it. They had no knew. idea. Okay. And even in rehearsal, no one knew. So I won the show, I think it was like the 20-something, the 7th or some, mm-hmm. something like that, September. I still hadn't heard about the play. I think a week later... Just People didn't f- realise it was pre-recorded, like, no. last year, over the space of like two weeks or something, mm-hmm. yeah. Then a week later, they told me I got the part of the play. Mm-hmm. So I had like the most craziest two weeks. Like I'd won the show, then I got this part. And then Broke for Christmas, started rehearsal for the play on the 5th of January. No one knew. And then, yeah, I went into rehearsal the, the Monday after I'd won and everyone was like, oh my God! And then you get yellow dress <laughs> group. <laughs> yeah. And are you enjoying the play? I am. Yeah, it's been a really hard few weeks. It's we've had tech rehearsal and previews of an evening, mm-hmm. and I just want to say as well, like the cast who you're working with, incredible actors. Oh my god! And you're up and close and personal with like a Theo James is there, and he's yeah. a Hollywood actor, and then you have to snug him and basically yeah. <laughs> get your leg over him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. Yeah. He's really he's great, and we all we're like a family. Like we all we have a WhatsApp group, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. We just honestly, I've been so lucky that I go to work every day and we all genuinely love each other mm-hmm. like it's hard for us to like be serious on stage because there's just that like genuine affection for each other Vanessa Williams again uh, you know I had a tech rehearsal the other day and she came running onto the stage and she was like I think you should you should do it like this and you've got to feel it like that and I just had this like 10 minute run off Vanessa Williams of this like <laughs> <laughs> master class of like how to be sexy <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm trying to kiss Theo and I, Josie was like well you should have got that on film <laughs> like, there you go the we were just saying like from, from someone who has the experience of being sexy yeah. handing down her wisdom handing down her wisdom 100% and she's been very motherly yeah. throughout the whole process as has Josie the director yeah so incredible I, oh my god incredible director incredible woman she, I mean, I feel like I've been so fortunate in the sense that for my first role, having Josie as a director, having women like Vanessa mm. in the cast, it's just been perfect for me because it's like, it's like a, a you know, a helping hand in. I'll do a scene and I'll say, oh, it does, oh, I'll stop halfway. And she's like, no, 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 carry on, carry on. And she's pushing me through the scene. And it's, I don't think I would have had that kind of training. Mm-hmm from 
you know, another. Yeah. And you learn by doing as well, don't you? That's how you got into the music industry, Mm -hmm. by doing. Um, We talk about, you know, older generations, not necessarily older, but people who have more experience, like handing down that knowledge. If you were to do a podcast, what would it be about? What would you hand down and talk about? I think just all my experiences Mm. and what I've learned, like my experiences in relationships, my experiences with friendships, with being, you know, subject to opinion, just my life. Like Mm -hmm. I've had, I haven't had like a plain sailing life. And I think the only beauty that you can, the only silver lining out out of any of those things is that you can share your experience, like going back to songwriting and hopefully someone else can learn from it. And, you know... Oprah does the she has one of her podcasts and her her thread is when someone shows you who you are believe them mm. and it's just stupid things like that in relationships like it sounds like common sense but I remember that podcast because yeah. it was this woman who's was her husband kept cheating on her and or, yeah. and she's like he she showed he's shown you <laughs> no and he's shown Constantly. you repetitively and it's it's hard because if you're in something yeah. it's hard but she's like when someone shows you a side to them like believe them they've believe shown them. you. 100% believe them from the get-go mm-hmm. so that you don't end up in a situation mm-hmm. where you're heartbroken. I'd listen to that podcast if you do that podcast. Oh, would you come on? Yeah, I'd come on. <laughs> it'd be the other, it'd be the other, I find it really hard to ask questions, or to answer questions because I just ask them. I just find it very difficult. That's another thing about podcasts. There's things I'd say in a podcast I would never say in a normal interview. Yeah, 100% because it's a safe space. Yeah. You don't know how they're going to twist it. And yeah. Well, this is the whole thing. Not edited down, not like taken as a soundbite and put into, you know, 140 characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is the whole thing. Nicola Roberts, I've really enjoyed this. I always love seeing you around and you've. I've just really excited for you. I'm excited for the play and everything that thank you've you. accomplished and that you're yet to accomplish and getting that wisdom from you. So thank you for the wisdom. Thank you. Well, it's nice to know I have it, I guess. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. And that's it. Another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that. Sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.